Hello. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you're doing well. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. And today we're going to continue a discussion of lessons that we can gain from kings, looking at some of the kings of Israel and Jew in the Old Testament, and seeing their situations and seeing what lessons we can gain from them. And today we're going to discuss Jehu, the son of Nimshi. He's talked about in 2 Kings chapter 9 and 10. Before we get to 2 Kings 9 and 10, we have to kind of understand where Jehu's coming from. Uh, in 1 Kings 12, we, we see there's a separation between the northern kingdom, which will be called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which will be called Judah, in the days of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And Jeroboam establishes these two temples in Dan and Bethel and has a golden calf placed in each of them, which makes Israel to sin. And he did that because he was afraid that he was going to lose power over the people. His house and uh, all of its inhabitants were removed uh, from the kingship and from life uh, as a punishment for this in 1 Kings 15. Uh, the, next king, the king who did this, Basha, met the same fate as Jeroboam did. And... Omri eventually will become king, and Omri establishes a house over Israel. His son, Ahab, was quite the idolater. He served all kinds of gods, especially the Baals. He provoked the God of Israel, Yahweh, to anger. And this is a time that God raised up the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 17-18, where there is a contest between the priests and prophets of Baal and, and Elijah over whether Baal is God or Yahweh is God. Uh, there's no rain in Israel for three years until uh, Elijah uh, says it will be. And uh, Israel's shown that Yahweh is God, but still there's Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, the daughter of the king of Sidon, who's quite the idolater. And he despairs of his life. He runs away. He he flees to Sinai. He's convinced he's his, his, he's the last one to serve God. And God tells him in chapter 19 of 1 Kings to knock it off. That uh, he's supposed to go and anoint um, Elisha to be prophet after him. Hazael should be king of the Arameans. And Jehu should be anointed king over Israel. That those who escape Hazael will be destroyed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be destroyed by Elisha. So that's spoken of in 1 Kings 19. Uh, in 1 Kings 22, Ahab dies. His son uh, Amaziah will reign in Israel. And the stage is set for Jehu uh, because uh, Ahab has died and the time has come that God is going to bring judgment on the house of, of Ahab. So Amaziah dies because he doesn't have faith in God. That's 2 Kings 1. And so Jehoram, um, who um, is another son of Ahab reigns in his place. And um, in 2 Kings 9, while he is still, this Jehoram is still king, um, Elisha sends a prophet to Ramoth Gilead and anoints Jehu king over Israel. 
And God says very specifically in verse 6 of Second Kings 9, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of Yahweh, over Israel, and you shall strike down the house of Ahab your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of Yahweh. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha son of Ahijah. And the dog shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and none shall bury her. So that's the the message of Jehu's kingship. This is what God is going to do through Jehu. And Jehu's just an army commander this time. And when the prophet leaves and indicates... uh, uh, And then Jehu's left to explain to his soldiers what has happened. And they finally hear, they declare him king. And so he goes and... um, he, he takes his chariot and runs toward where uh, Jehoram is holed up. And so he goes, and all of these different uh, people are, are come to, to Jehu. And, and Jehu tells them to get behind him. And uh, they know who it is, by the way, in verse 20. It's, this is funny. And again, the watcher reported, he reached them, but he is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. So we've got a speedster here. Uh, Jehu is, is notable for speeding in his chariot and the furious driving of his chariot that he is known to do, not just in this instance, but in general. And so the chariots of Jehoram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, come out to meet Jehu and asking if it's peaceful. And this is actually happening in the, ter- in the field of Naboth, the Jezreelite, in Jezreel. And um, Jehu says that it is not peace. And he drives... He takes his bow and he shoots Joram between the shoulders, pierced his heart, and he sank in his chariot. And he's supposed to be kicked on the ground, that the blood will be shed upon Naboth's uh, vineyard, which his father Ahab had gotten by treachery. Ahaziah tried to fly away, who was the king of Judah, but uh, he also was shot, and he died in Megiddo. And uh, Jehu then goes to Jezreel and Jezebel's at the window and calls uh, Jehu and Jimri, the guy who kills a king, uh, which it just, you can see why the comparison be made, but uh, Jehu doesn't actually kill Jezebel. He just uh, asks from the window, up to the window, says, who's on my side? And actually her own eunuchs come and look at him. And they throw her down to the ground, and her blood goes on the wall and the horses, and, and uh, they, were, they trampled her, and uh, they wanted to bury her later, because um, even though she's cursed, because she's a king's daughter, they found nothing left but uh, the, her skull and the feet of her palms of her hand, feet in the palms of her hands. And uh, he saw that the word of Yahweh had been fulfilled, as Elijah said, that the dogs would eat the flesh of Jezebel and Jezreel. And uh, that no one would be able to recognize the corpse to show what God thought of her and what she had done. So those uh, those three have died. In chapter ten, uh, we see the Jehu is able to uh, have the sons of Ahab, the seventy sons in Samaria, killed by the the rulers of the city to um, <clears throat> because of all the things that had happened, and. Um, or else has I, king of Judah, come to Samaria uh, when he's at Beth Echid near Samaria. And um, they uh, went to uh, see uh, him and uh, ended up getting killed themselves as well <laughs> uh, because they are also of the house of Ahab. And uh, Jonadab, son of Rechab, comes to meet him, who is a faithful servant of Yahweh. 
And Jehu says, watch what I'm going to do. See my zeal for Yahweh, in verse 16. And so they go to Samaria. He sees how not kills all the Ahabites there. Uh, and so it is in verse 17 of Second Kings 10 that uh, he had wiped out the house of Ahab according to the word of Yahweh that he had spoke to, to Elijah. So then in verse 18 we see what seems to be a shocking reversal. That Jehu assembled all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him much. So what's going on? What's going on here? And so he wanted all the prophets of Baal and all of his servants and priests to come and be collected together. He's going to make this great sacrifice to Baal. And that we're told, though, in verse 19, he does this with cunning to destroy them. And so they have this whole solemn assembly for Baal. Everybody's there in one big gathering. And Jonadab, the son of Rechab, and him go and make sure there's no servant of Yahweh in their midst, but only Baal worshippers. And 80 men are stationed outside, and uh, once the burnt offering was offered to, to Baal in pretense, Jehu uh, let uh, the signal down, and they went in, and they killed everybody in there. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burned it. They demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. So that it can be said in verse 28, Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel. That's a very powerful moment. Because if you had seen only a few years before, Elijah had been in despair at all of this Baal service, all of, of the challenges Jezebel ascended, and, and, and that he had despaired of his life in the service of Yahweh. And here, within not that even many years, within 30 years, all of these things have taken place so that now uh, Jehu has come, the house of Ahab, the house of Omri has been completely exterminated, uh, the Baal service is, is eliminated from Israel. All of this wonderful stuff has taken place. And so this is great. However, we're told in verse 29 of Second Kings 10, that Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin, that is, the golden calves in Bethel and Dan. And so it's, it's kind of, we have such hope for Jehu, and he does so many great things, but yet he keeps this sin going. And you can imagine why. Why would he do that? It's a good question to wonder. It has the appearance of true service because, well, they're, they're, they're serving Yahweh. The calves are called Yahweh. By that point, it had been done for multiple generations. It was still politically advantageous and to send everybody down to Judah once a, a few times a year. And that's why it remains. Uh, well, because of the situation, this is what we see in verse 30, that Yahweh says to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But since Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of Yahweh, the God of Israel, with all of his heart, but kept in the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he did not have the full advantage. So it would be him, Jehoahaz, Joash, Jeroboam II, and Zechariah in 2 Kings 13 and 15 that would rule after him a period of, of stability and peace, one of the longest dynasties in the history of Israel. Uh, Zechariah will be killed by Shalom, who will in turn be killed by Menahem, whose son Pekiah is killed by Pekah, who will be replaced by Hosea, who will be ultimately the last king of Israel. And so once the, the, the house of Jehu uh, falls apart, uh, Israel is not long for the earth. And, and the last moment of peace and prosperity comes in this time of, of the house of Jehu. And meanwhile, he loses the lands east of the Jordan. Gadru and Manasseh loot to the Arameans, Hazael, because of his idolatry. And um, that's what we see here in Second Kings about Jehu. So what can we learn from Jehu? 
and the example that he's provided. Well, we can see that he, God commissioned Jehu to remove the idolatry from Israel, and he did this. He got rid of the Baals, he exterminated the Omeride dynasty, but he still maintained these centers at Bethel and Dan, which uh, were uh, sinful in the eyes of Yahweh. And so God was pleased that Jehu did reform Israel in many ways, but he wasn't pleased that Jehu did not do a full reformation of Israel. And we can learn a lot from that today. When people repent of their sins, God is pleased with that. Um, but if we do not fully reform ourselves, that is not pleasing to God. As James says in James 2, 10 through 12, that the one who transgresses the law in one aspect is transgressed the whole thing. That's why none of us can be justified by law before God, because we could try to say that we've obeyed the law in so many ways, but all God needs to point to one time we've disobeyed the law, and now we're transgressing the law. The law can't can justify us before him. In Hebrews 13, 18, uh, we're told to act honorably in all things, not just a few things, not just to select things, but in all things. And God, Paul, God has also said in 2 Corinthians, 9, verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, that through God, his word, we have all sufficiency for all things at all times. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, we are to have self-control and to run the race set before us, that we are to fully devote ourselves and exercise ourselves fully unto that purpose. And in 2 Timothy 2, and verse 15, we're supposed to handle God's word appropriately, uh, as a workman, there's no need to be ashamed. And so we can only be pleasing to God fully when we're willing to be thoroughly reformed and not just allow certain parts of our lives to, to be influenced by Him, but to allow all of our lives to be influenced by Him. And this is not even just a matter for individuals and individual behavior, but also in terms of, uh, of, of belief systems and, and in terms of doctrines and, and in religious organizations. Um, we can see in the example of Jehu that when a group of people who are part of some religious organization recognize that their religious organization has many difficulties and are not consistent with what God has revealed uh, for his purposes, and they change some of those things, God's pleased by that. Anytime there is movement toward what God has revealed, God is pleased by that. But how many times do we see there are certain changes, but then other things are left unchanged that have been done for many generations that have the appearance of seeming righteous, even though they are not consistent with what God has said. Well, even though God may commend the things they're doing that are better, uh, when there's not a thorough reformation, uh, God is not pleased by this. And that's something that we should be concerned about ourselves. This is not just a problem with people out there, but also, you know, we, we can look at ourselves and say, hey, we don't have some of these Roman Catholic or Orthodox Protestant evangelical editions of Scripture. But it, that doesn't mean that we are somehow immune from somehow holding to certain traditions or customs that may not be as old as we'd like to imagine and are actually not consistent with what God has revealed. And so we always need to be concerned about that and checking ourselves. See how we can fully reform ourselves to be pleasing to God. And you think about and very easily imagine Jehu using a lot of the ideas that people today use to justify why he's still serving uh, the two golden calves as Yahweh, as if that's pleasing to God. He say, well, Elijah never prophesied about me destroying these two temples which was true, but that doesn't mean that God approved of them. Well, Israel's always served God at Dan and Bethel, which for the history of Israel was also true, but that doesn't mean that that's what God wanted. Well, surely God would not condemn me for using a golden calf to better understand his nature, which, you know, is, is a good worldly wisdom, but not according to what God has commanded in the law. Why would God give me a kingdom to the north, but require my people to visit Jerusalem in the south to serve him? 
And, of course, that was Jeroboam's issue. But it was also just indicates a lack of faith. And so these justifications then and now don't work with God. That God removed territory from Jehu. And Jehu's house was not established forever over Israel. And that's good warning to show that while God was pleased with the changes that Jehu did make, that there was much that still God was not pleased with. And that's instructive for our example. And that's why we need to take to heart what is said in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And so it's, it's difficult for us enough to be reformed. And so we can see how many... How, how difficult it is for us, it is difficult for others, and there's so many ways that the God of this world, has, uh, Satan, has blinded people and has deceived people into following after things that are not according to the will of God. And so we need to keep this and take it to heart uh, and to realize judgment will start with us. So we've seen that Jehu did a lot of good things for Yahweh, but he didn't fully reform his right religion and that he received penalty for his idolatry. And we can apply this example well with people and churches and denominations who feel content that they reform certain behaviors and certain practices, but maintain other doctrines or practices that are not consistent with what is revealed in the New Testament. But it also applies to each and every person. That have we, are we fully serving righteousness or are we trying to still hold on to some sins? And to still serve some aspects of sins, contrary to Romans 16, 6, 17-18. And so it's good for us to consider for ourselves. Are, are we willing to do the full changes necessary, even those areas that are difficult, or things that, uh, that, that, we, that make us more uncomfortable, or, or perhaps that we just have personal issues or disagreements with what we see in Scripture? Uh, how we handle that? How we handle for part of our, if we see churches out there or groups out there who seem in so many ways to be doing what is right, but there are these certain aspects that are just not right. And how, how we best approach that, how we best encourage them to consider the example of Jehu, uh, and to consider the full reformation that is necessary, so God may be honored and glorified in all things. And so we're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you've been encouraged by this and learned something about Jehu and his example. If you have any questions about anything we've mentioned today, or would like to talk about other subjects, uh, maybe like learn how to become a Christian, or more about some examples of, of, other, uh, of other people in the Bible, or maybe you just like to talk uh, have about some challenges you're going through, have a prayer request or something like that. Anything in any way we can be of help, please let me know. Please contact me through my website at deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And you can also check us out online at adventuretochrist.org. We're also on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Google, Meetup, and Twitter. Mostly Adventist Church, if you'd like to learn more about us. And... And if you live in Los Angeles or traveling in Los Angeles area. We again thank you. Have a great day.